You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Friday. All right. We made it to Friday. It's Friday, right, Lady B? Give me a thumbs up. It's Friday. <laughs> this traffic, you guys, what? Can everyone just be where you need to be right now? Uh, you know, just pull over and be on the Kennedy or on uh, Central or just just stay there for a little bit. I'm just kidding. Um, it was a, a long drive. I, I had a great day uh, staffing an event for my boss, uh, Illinois Comptroller Susanna Mendoza. We were at uh, a, um, a leadership convent- conference for young Hispanics, and it was incredible. Her speech was magnificent. I'm so proud to work for her. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be a, a little bit giddy. Um, you know, I got into... Uh, politics and government because I wanted to help people. And and it's really been extraordinary to talk to so many candidates over the last few weeks as we head into the last few days of campaigning for our general election in uh, on February 28th. And uh, a lot of folks, you know, uh, out there door knocking, uh, getting their message out. And I want to talk to a candidate from the 43rd Ward Aldermanic seat. We're going to talk to Wendy Taylor Nations, who joins us right now. Uh, As I've been talking about this, there's there's a lot going on. So I'm so glad we have a chance to talk to you, Wendy. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Patty. So exciting. I'm excited, too, because I'm excited for anyone who takes up the mantle and says, I will charge onto the field and I want to I want to do this. I want to serve my community. So let me start with this. First of all, where where are you from? Where'd you grow up, Wendy? I grew up in Lafayette, Indiana. Okay. And uh, so what would, when you were a kid, did you ever think, you know, I want to, you know, I want to run for Alder person of Chicago. <laughs> I don't know. If, no, uh, I, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't even know what an Alder person was. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I moved to Chicago in 1989. So it feels like I, I, a native. Oh, uh, sh- my husband and I got married at St. Clement's church almost 30 years ago in the ward. And have never left the neighborhood since. Come on. My dad went to St. Clemens as a, like in the 30s. My dad went to grade oh. school at St. Clemens. Yes. I know that area. Yeah. yeah. Over by there. So you have a history here, too. I do have a history there. Yeah. My uh, So let's not talk about my family. We're talking about you. Uh, so you yeah. are running for the 43rd Ward Alder person. You've lived in the community for decades. And so what, yeah. what, is, it, what is it that's drawn you? What, what was your path in life that's led you here? Well, I, I call part of my career uh, politically adjacent. I uh, led the marketing team that rolled out uh, Get Covered Illinois, the Affordable, Affordable Care Act in Illinois. So I've been to every nook and cranny in the state. And then I was chief marketing officer for World Business Chicago uh, with the Rahm administration. So I, um, but always in my career, I have served, whether it was anti-tobacco, gay rights, uh, um, uh, food insecurity. I've always served in some capacity. So when Michelle Smith decided to retire, I thought, well, now's the time. Now is my time to serve my community. And I jumped in with two feet, with both feet. Well, and it helps to have had the experience both working with the administrations and having a marketing past, right? Because that, that's, I don't think people realize how much of this really is about marketing yourself. You are applying for a job to the constituents, the voters of your neighborhood, and it means getting your message out there. So what are you hearing from people when you talk to them about your race? 
Um, they, they love the idea that I'm focused on public safety. And I'll, I'll tell you why. So part of why I wanted to run is because we're seeing some creeping, we're seeing creeping crime into our ward. And uh, it hasn't always been that way since, since I've lived here. And it's a very personal story. I, in uh, July of 2021, I was on my way to work. I was climbing up to the, uh, to the platform to go to my office in the loop. And I had a dress on. And I was, uh, a man uh, walked up behind me, climbing the stairs, mm. and put his hand up my skirt oh. and into my underwear. Yeah. Oh. And I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was really, really gross. And I'm not one to back down. I'm not going to let that kind of an assault. And by the mm. way, only one in 20 of those assaults gets reported. And that's, that's yep. part of why, the reason that I want to talk about this. Because women should not be ashamed that, that something like this happens. But so I decided that, that that experience with the opportunity to, fill, fill, um, or to, to follow in Michelle's footsteps was really the reason that I came into this, this uh, race. Uh, I am uh, really, and people on the street are, are talking to me about that. They've heard about my story. They're really interested in, in public safety and what I'm thinking about how we can uh, reduce crime in the neighborhood. And that that is definitely uh, top of people's minds. And I want to go back to this for a moment. When you said that many women don't report because I had when I was a teenager, I was in a crowd and a similar thing. Uh, and we my mom told me that it was, it was no, I, I see. And it's it's like uh, I, I it makes you your everything hurt. And uh, and it's also because my mom just thought, well, we don't know which person it was. What can we do? But so let folks know, as you mentioned, that, that we, there is no shame and it does matter to report. So I just wanted to reiterate that. Too. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. For, thank you for doing that because that's, that's an important part of my message. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's important to, to so that people, we know that there's somebody out there because there is both the shame and what difference does it make, and we have to make do better for other women and other people in general. So you've got a public safety is something. So what kind of things are you focusing on when people are talking about public safety? Um, some like in my neighborhood, they want more visibility of squad cars, or they want to you know the police board is something that people are, are hoping will. Uh, elevate the conversation about safety in neighborhoods. What are some of the things that you're talking about? Well, first and foremost, I believe in leadership. And I don't think that we have the right leadership at the top of uh, of the police department. I think David Brown has to go. I think that the officers on the street really need someone who has their back, who understands their need for a, a boost of morale. Very importantly, mental health, which I believe, well, we, I think we've lost six police officers uh, in the last few months to suicide. That must stop. And then we, get need to, we do need to get numbers on the street. I am a big fan of community team policing and having an applied, uh, consistent team who knows who we are, who knows when the schools are in session and out, who uh, understands the schedules and the ebbs and flows of the churches and the synagogue, synagogues and the mosques and the temples, and really understands the fabric of our neighborhood. I think we've lost that with having over 2,000 uh, cops down in the city, and I think we need to regain it because that being being the fabric of the community really makes them part of the community, and I think that kind of policing works. 
That's that's what we need is, is to feel connected uh, in, in so many ways to our law enforcement. And it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the morale and uh, and ways in which we can support each other, really. What are some of the so I know that uh, folks are also talking a lot about education, but then also about property taxes. It's sort of this hand in hand conversation, isn't it? And I'm guessing in your area, yes. that's top of mind as well, isn't it? It is. So uh, education, public education, both public and private education in this ward is a reason to live here or to come and live here and then stay here. We have the very stellar school. Uh, We have Lincoln Park High School that, uh, contrary to what most people believe, really draws from across the city. It's not it's not focused on Lincoln Park. It's the top IB program in the country, and it really serves the economic and academic continuum around the city. Uh, they are, they need a new high school. We need a new high school there because it is of service to the entire city. Right. And uh, if you see kids, if, if some of the folks who live in, in the ward see kids uh, in Oz Park or in the, some of the restaurants or at 7-Eleven at 9.50, a.m., it's because that's their first lunch period at Lincoln Park High School which is crazy, yeah. Uh, and uh, they need a new high school. It's, it, yes, it, it, will it be tilting at windmills a little bit? Absolutely. But if we don't start going for it now, it's not going to happen. So one of the things I want to do is really lead the charge to establish uh, a plan to put together a new Lincoln Park High School, not just for kids today, but for generations to come. Now, but, you yeah. asked about property taxes. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Property taxes are, I, I'm really for relief of property taxes, especially for seniors. And we have a very high population of seniors in this ward. And a lot of them are talking to me when they come to the doors. They're expressing fear or at least concern about having to move because of the increase in property taxes. One woman said to me that she'd had a 76% increase in property taxes. Well, that's an okay. We we don't want to lose those folks. Whoa. They're really important. Yeah. They built this community, and I want them to stay here. And the ones that live on my block, I'm really close to. They're like second parents to me. And I don't want to lose them. So why not a five-year freeze on property tax? Uh, property taxes for our seniors because they're a vital part of our community and I want to see them stay here. No doubt about it. And, and I want to let folks know, because you mentioned the community that you were in. The, so we are talking we are talking to Wendy, Wendy Taylor Nations, she, who is running for the 43rd Ward Alder seat. So let folks know what communities are, are incorporated in the Ward of 43. That's Lincoln Park, Old Town, and part of the Gold Coast. Okay, so you do have uh, uh, folks who who live, uh, many of whom, like again, I mentioned that my dad grew up there. He also, before it was Lincoln Park, it was Waller, so he went there too. So it's interesting that we're talking about my my dad's uh, childhood neighborhood, uh, and and it is a really dynamic area with obviously a lot of great restaurants, a lot of uh, uh, collaborative uh, projects going on there. Uh, so I want to get a break here and and learn more about your plan and your you know how you uh, are planning to serve the folks of the 43rd Ward. Where can folks get information uh, about your campaign while we take a break here? Wendy4for43.com. Excellent. We're going to continue our conversation. If anyone, Wendy. Yes. Wendy with an I. Yes. 43.com. I should, I, and I, you know what? I always have to do that, too. It's like it's Patty with an I. Wendy with an I. Wendy443.com. <laughs> Visit the website. We'll take a break here and continue our conversation with Wendy with Wendy. Taylor Nations. More on driving at home with me, Patty Vasquez. Absolutely. WCPT 820.
The Hal Sparks Radio Program. A lot of times what you're seeing on the internet, um, imagine if you will, if someone, a neighbor, a stranger, could paint a different view of the world on all of your windows anytime they wanted to. And all they had to do was get you to open the drapes. And if you looked out them, you would think that's what the world looks like, whether it does or not. Hal Sparks, Saturdays from 11 to 1 on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I am Patty Vasquez, and you are listening to our conversation with candidate for the 43rd Ward Aldermanic Seat, Wendy Taylor Nations. Early voting has started, and uh, in that community, you can vote at the Lincoln Park branch of the Chicago Public Library. Uh, have you been out uh, in front of the polling places yet, or are you still out there door knocking and making phone calls? I'm doing both. Yeah, I'm doing all of the above. And all, I'm loving it. All the things. And I know that you are also very involved in, uh, in organizations to help others. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your work as a board member for the DuSable Museum of Black History. I, uh, I, it's my passion. I love them like my family. Uh, we lift each other up. Uh, we've worked together now for four or five years. And uh, Perry Ermer who is the CEO and president of the DuSable, is a force of nature and uh, a great friend. And the things that we've been able to do in terms of education, we brought the march, which was the virtual reality of uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s march on Washington, D.C. And uh, uh, unfortunately, the pandemic shut it down, but it's, it's up and back and running. Uh, we do a lot of lobbying in Springfield. We need, we've got some, uh, some security issues that we need to address. Uh, to make certain that uh, uh, that both our art and our people, more importantly, are taken care of at the museum. I, I, I don't have enough. To, to, I have so much to say about my work with the museum. It is, uh, like I said, a passion. I love raising money for them, but I love being there and uh, really working with the community. It's uh, it's such a, an honor for me to be on that board. When it comes to serving as as an alder person, it is it's a wide range of responsibilities. From I talk about this all the time, filling potholes and replacing garbage cans, to talking about you know public transportation. A lot of folks are focusing on the CTA, how we can do better with public transportation. What are some of your thoughts and plans when it comes to addressing the issues on CTA? Well, did you know that the uh, head of CTA is the highest paid city of Chicago employee, mm. even higher than the mayor? Uh, he really needs to, I, I believe, in, in accountability and transparency. And he should be meeting with city council at least four times a year. He reports to the mayor and thus to the taxpayers. And I think we need to hear more from him about what's going on with the CTA because they are facing a fiscal cliff and we've got to fix that. So one of the things that we need to do is really cure the ghost trains and the bus and the, uh, the ghost trains and, and ghost buses. And I think that there are a couple ways we do that. I, I talk to the CTA folks all the time because I use the CTA and I love it. Uh, but what I hear is fear and uh, the inability to recruit because of that fear. And I think that we need to increase safety. That's going to take some more cops uh, on platforms, on trains, making certain that people feel safe. Because the only way to increase safety is to get more people on the train and make certain that they feel safe. So we've 
secure the, bu- the ghost trains and buses with incentives for employees and safety incentives for employees. And then we really work hard to get more people on the train because that helps with safety, too. And a lot of my uh, a lot of the work I've been doing recently has also been focusing on the work that the Better Street Chicago is doing, whether it's plow the sidewalks or highlighting and amplifying the focus on pedestrians, whether they're cycling, rolling, walking. What are some of the the ideas you have in regards to look? We're a car brained city. Uh, we I just got out of traffic. Uh, my my adrenaline's a little high. Uh, what are some of your <laughs> thoughts when it comes to keeping pe- people safe in that regards? I think that we need more protected bike lanes. Yes. I think that we've had that we've had way too many uh, injuries and, and sadly deaths, especially in the last couple of years, some very high profile ones that didn't need to happen. And that that, that starts with things like cutouts and on the streets of uh, um, at the pedestrian side walks. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco does a really great thing uh, in that they have a countdown for people who are elderly or deaf or blind. Yes. So that the countdown, they can feel that. And so, you know, it seems like a simple solution, but it's really important that people who are who maybe aren't as fast as the rest of us can make it across the street. So. I know that those that that those seem like simple solutions, but I think they'll make an incredible impact by helping pedestrians be safer. Now, I know that you are taking it. By the way, I agree completely with obviously uh, because one paint is not protection. Uh, I think that there are no. I think that there are solutions I've seen in other parts. I mean, like it's weird when you're in San Antonio and you're like, "Ah, how do they have this right? Uh, You know, they. they, they, I agree. Again, when you you know, if and when you win or whatever you do next, uh, we can talk about that too. But we got to focus on your race. Uh, So you you are running against an appointed incumbent, which carries a lot of challenges in and of itself. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, because the, the incumbency has the power, talk about this quite a bit, the power of money and manpower. What, how, what are you bringing that is inspiring folks to, to join your campaign? Independent voice for this ward. This ward has a decades-long history of independence, and I am endorsed by uh, former Alderman Michelle Smith, former Alderman Marty Oberman, who was uh, legendary in helping uh, break the machine and bringing independence to this ward. And I am so honored that they think that and they believe in me uh, so much and uh, the importance of my candidacy. That has attracted a lot of people to my candidacy because they've seen the independent voice. And so no matter who is in the, the mayor's chair, I am going to be I'm going to be working for the residents. I'm going to have 56,000 bosses. Uh, the residents of this ward. And so people people are very attracted to that message. I have no, I'm not beholden to the mayor or to Tony Preckwinkle or anyone else. It's just the residents of this ward. It's fascinating how many, I, I've had, I've talked to candidates who want to talk about like the mayoral race and I'm like, let's focus on your race because regardless of who's in that seat, you have to collaborate with everybody. And, and looking at City Hall, you know, what is your impression of, uh, you know, we have like these different factions, whether it's kind of the old school elected, uh, much more progressive front. Uh, where do you see yourself as far as fighting for your community and working and collaborating with other older people in order to get things done? Well, I've already, uh, through my work with Usabel and my work with food insecurity and uh, being in this ward for so long, I've already uh, developed relationships with with all other older people. Mm-hmm. 
And those are going to be very important relationships for me going into city council. I am, uh, like I said, an independent, but I, I leaned more toward the moderate, which is, uh, which is kind of the sweet spot for this ward. Um, I'm, but I am, I'm very open to a lot of different solutions that will make people's lives better, not just in the 43rd ward, but in Chicago. And that's, uh, again, I think crucial. A lot of folks have been watching sort of the battles going on. And not look, we know it's not ever going to be kumbaya, but we certainly want to see, you know, what's happening. And you mentioned transparency, and there's a lot of stories out about, uh, you know, that there are promises that have been made. Uh, you know, what do, how do you intend to be transparent? How, I mean, do you, on your website, like, here's, here's what I told you I was going to do. Here's what we've done so far. You know, because we've seen promises from whichever candidates, and once they're in office, so many of the things sort of seem to fall by the wayside. And then they run again, and we're like, wait a minute, you said you were going to do this other thing. <laughs> what, are, what are your plans for transparency? Ward nights? Uh, you know, how do you intend to keep connected to your community? Ward nights, definitely. Uh, I'm also going to develop an advisory council for, uh, and with folks that have, that have uh, content responsibility. For example, seniors. Uh, seniors are a big part of this ward. I want to have a senior advisor, someone who can speak for the senior community. Those are the kinds of things that I think are really important uh, to have those those voter touches, but also influencers within our community who can spread the word. It's 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 uh, from a marketing perspective. It's it's called an influencer map, and I want to influencer map our ward. I want to make certain that also uh, in my business. We, we create dashboards. What are we, what are we measuring and how are we measuring it? And then report that to, to the community. I said I was going to do this. Here's the measurement for it. And so the, not all of it will be data because it's not necessarily data, but we, but I need to report back to the community on the promises that I made, both good and bad. Sometimes, you, you know, we're all human beings and sometimes we can't achieve the objectives that we want to achieve, but people need to know that and be transparent about it. What in this journey of running for office would you say has surprised you the most? What kind of caught you off guard in this uh, this quest to serve your community? I a friend of mine asked me the other day if I learned something new every day. I said no, every ten minutes, <laughs> and that is absolutely the truth. I you know I've been I, I've been in marketing and, and run you know huge pieces of business globally, uh, but it's so different running for alderman and uh it's, it's also joyful uh there's there's a lot of interactions there are people i've never met that i loved meeting and uh and learning about how to work in how to sell in a retail political environment versus selling a, a widget or a service is very different and i'm really enjoying it that I, it is a, an incredible thing to to meet people in the neighborhoods, have these conversations, and be reminded almost every step of the way of why you're doing this. So, I've got I've got about two minutes for you. Uh, let's do your your final pitch to the 43rd ward, or to people who know someone in the 43rd ward, or people who want to support the work that you're doing. Take it away. Uh, I am running because I want to serve this community. I don't want to be uh, anything other than alderman. This is really important to me. This community has given so much to me, and I want to give back. I don't want to run for Congress. I just want to be, uh, I want to serve the community that I love. I'm very, as I said, I'm very focused on public safety. I've got an extensive public safety policy on my website, wendyfor43.com, and uh, 
I want to make change. I want to affect change quickly. And I want this to be a place where people can can stay and thrive from childhood to senior citizens. They're a really important part of the fabric of this community. And that's what I want to do. That wasn't my buzzer for you. I apologize. <laughs> oh, I thought it was. Sorry. <laughs> no, you got another 20 seconds if you want to. I didn't mean to disrupt you. <laughs> Please vote for me. I'm going to do my best to be the best representative that this community can have. And I love it. And I want to I want to be I want to be the representative for it. What uh, what's your punch number? Oh, <laughs> what is it? You almost got me. 56. 56. So it's uh, for for the candidate for the 43rd Ward for Wendy Taylor Nations is 56. And uh, folks can early vote now. Uh, Are you uh, well, we'll talk about what let's check in with you next week. If you have anything you want to promote, we can do a quick segment and uh, and remind folks about your campaign. Sound good? Thanks so much. Yes. Thanks. Have a great weekend. One more more time. The website, Wendy for 43. Wendy. WENDI443.com. Excellent. Go get them. Go get on the doors. Get those do- doors and dollars, my friend. Go get it. Thanks, Patty. <laughs> take care. Let's, bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Let's take a break here, and we will uh, check in with another aldermanic candidate who is currently in office. We're going to check in with the alderman of the 40th Ward, Andre Vasquez. No relation. <laughs> WCPT 820. This is Patty Vasquez. Just saying. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT Willow Springs, is powered by ComEd. See how ComEd is preparing for a clean energy future at comed.com slash clean energy. Hey, where's Hal Sparks? I'm not sure where he is now, but I know where you can find him Saturdays at 11. It'll be right here on WCPT 820 for the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Be at home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And joining me on the line is the alder person of the 40th Ward, Andre Vasquez. No relation. Hey, Andre, how are you doing today? Hey, it's all right, Patty. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I know that this is a busy time, so I'm glad we could catch up with you a little bit. Uh, tell us, how it's, how's it going on the doors, in front of the polling places? How are you feeling tonight? Good, doing all right. Actually, I got a chance to, I was just at doors, so it's good to get a little breather in. But uh, the conversations have been going well. We just got to continue to do the work. And what are you hearing? What are you hearing from folks? You know, they you ring the bell. I mean, are there still folks who are like, you're actually here? You're my older person? You're at my door? Do you get a lot of that? Well, you know, less than you'd think because we've been doing it for a while. So now they're like, hey, it's you again. How's it going? Uh, <laughs> so it's been it's been pretty good. But, you know, people are still really concerned about public safety. I'm asking folks about the mayoral race to kind of see where they're at. You yeah. know, trying to get a sense of what our neighbors are thinking. Are you doing so you're doing your own polling? <laughs> you got like hashtags for every house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like that's a, wanna, since everyone else is putting one out, I'll put one unofficial one out later. <laughs> so you are running for re-election. This would be your second term that you're running for, or your third? Yes, second. That's second term. Second term. Okay. So you know what? What did you? What did you set out to do? And you feel good about that you've accomplished so far as the older older person of the yeah, 40th ward. Yeah, so when, when we ran, it was uh, the big focuses were, um, you know, housing affordability and police accountability. So in, in 40, well, you know, first and citywide, we were able to double the affordable requirements ordinance. So that creates more affordability citywide. We also made the 40th ward part of the ADU pilot or the additional dwelling unit. 
uh, pilot, which makes your coach houses and basements legal and allows people to create more, uh, you know, um, naturally occurring affordable housing. For police accountability, I was part of the team that negotiated what is the most progressive civilian oversight board of the police in the country, um, ECPS, which uh, this election, neighbors can vote to get three district councilors per police district. So we did that work. Now we want to make sure we make the streets safer, CTA reliable, and continue to make sure we deliver services for our neighbors. So I, you know, the police board the, uh, element is interesting because we're starting to see folks send out mailers and endorsements and things like that. And a friend of mine who used to work for the Cook County Sheriff's Department was saying she was a little concerned because it's like, you know, the, it shouldn't be an endorsement sort of office. It should be like, you know what I mean? Like you want the the constituents and the voters to be. It, it just seems like that it shouldn't be political powers endorsing people. Does that make sense to you? They were just, they were just wondering about that element to it. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately when it's an elected position, you know, it's up to the the actual people running to try to get their word out and talk to neighbors at the door. But I think most folks that are just starting these positions really don't know how to raise funds to get their message out. So just like any other elected position, making sure that we have folks who can validate the people that are doing the work, I think is part of the process. Gotcha. And and that is that's interesting, too. So I, the money raising part, I always try to explain to folks, uh, you know, I, when I tell them how much I, I, I estimate they should raise, depending on what, who they're running against, uh, it's not a pretty part of it. But it does also, I think, show that you are putting the work in and showing that that's, that's also a form of endorsement, isn't it? Well, I, I agree. And I also think I, I agree with you that it's been unfortunate that that's a very real part of running for office. Right. You've got to pay staff. Um, but it's also why we've been pushing forward to establish a publicly financed campaign system in Chicago as a pilot. So, Ooh. you know, knock on wood, if we get a second term, we want to work to improve that, too. How much uh, how, how many people have you have you talked to in City Hall? I mean, obviously, right now we're in an election. So who knows what that's going to look like after, the, you know, the votes are in and we see who's actually serving. But are there folks you feel confident yeah. would uh, would also uh, be a part of that coalition? Big work, right? Because yeah. we're going to have, what, maybe 18 new city council members? Right. So it's going to, it's almost like you're starting the conversation all over again. But I think it's good that, you know, Alderman Matt Martin introduced the ordinance to start having the conversation. Absolutely. And I know that uh, some of the folks, I know one of the things that you have been championing, I want to do a, a sort of a deeper dive on this, which is CTA on so many levels, right? It's the reliability, it's the safety, and it's also the accessibility, uh, whether it is communities or those who have a, a challenge reaching public transportation. What are your plans when it comes to CTA? I think, you know, I believe that the, the, our transit system is like the central nervous system of the city. Right. And so if it's not working and not connecting people, not taking people where they need to, it affects their jobs. It affects their ability to, to actually feel safe. The liability isn't there. So what we did is we introduced an ordinance that would require the CTA board president to report quarterly to the council. Right. I think if if any system isn't working, I want to know what's the baseline of where it's at. What are we doing to improve and how regularly are we checking in to make sure that improvement is happening? We need to hire more people to do the role. We need uh, social worker teams to make sure that the unhoused populations that are living on the trains are able to access services and find housing. Um, we have to make sure that if CTA is providing schedules, that they're actually adhering to them, or else just make sure you let people know where the actual buses and trains are so that they can, they can know if they can depend on whether they can get somewhere or have to make adjustments. 
And I think the more that we work on that, I think we also have to talk about like a Western Avenue bus rapid transit line. There's a lot of things we can do that um, begin with these conversations and begin making sure that we write the laws and hold people accountable. I know that a lot of folks are asking for accountability when it comes to CTA. Uh, our last guest, who's running on the 43rd, was saying that uh, the head of the CTA really doesn't seem to be even showing up for meetings. Is that continuing to be the case? Not a, not a, uh, Well, he wasn't until I forced him to. <laughs> so we, we, we it's a reality. Because we wrote the ordinance, uh, on Halloween I dressed up like a ghost bus and like made it more of a media thing that he was forced to come and show up to speak to the council and because we kept pushing it and making an issue it moved the mayor to have to write an executive order that requires cta cha the park district and cps to report quarterly to the council which is like it's wild that in 2023 that's when we start having that conversation yeah, that, that is absolutely insane. And, you know, we, in addition to uh, public transportation, I, you know, I, I had a forum with uh, Alderman Gilbert Villegas. We were talking to the folks from Better Street Chicago and uh, Plow the Sidewalks, uh, you know, because I really, I think that you are committed to this as well uh, when it comes to pedestrian safety, cyclist safety. What do you envision when it comes to, look, we're a car-brained city. Uh, I just, like, as I mentioned, I was in traffic yeah. for over an hour in each direction. Um, and I, and I, I I wish there was a way for us to educate or make it just more commonplace that drivers are aware. You know, they're going to be safe. They, they're in a safe space. Pedestrians walking, riding their bikes, pushing a stroller uh, are going to get hurt if they continue on the path that we're on. And we're going to have more tragedies. Yeah. I, yep. I, I agree a million percent. Like, that's actually what we really we shifted our focus in the first term. It's really about safe streets and transportation in general. I think what we're seeing is you've got more cyclists, you've got more pedestrians. So having a public transportation system that works is a part of that. If your public transportation system is better, people are less reliant on cars. If you change the infrastructure so that cyclists know where they ride and they can do so safely, where vehicles know where they need to be, um, you end up with a better balance. And I also think that we need to start at CPS doing regular rules of the road training for cyclists and for drivers and do it at a young age because it is a culture shift. But if we do all those things, I think we can get there. And it's good not only for safety, but it's also great for the environment. Yeah, 100 percent. I, I I agree with you on that. And I also, uh, when it comes to uh, pedestrians, you know, our friends from Better Street Chicago were explaining that, uh, not, not pedestrians, but cyclists, um, that it's a patchwork. Like each ward, depending on what the older person puts into it or, you know, is focused on and, and prioritizes, you have sort of this very erratic system of, of bike lanes, right? Is there a way to re- reshuffle that and make it a focus of the city? Who, who do we get to? Who do we got to talk to about yes. that? <laughs> well, I, you know, who you talk to is the mayor, because it's, a, it's absolutely right that every alder makes a decision on where they can build infrastructure. So you end up with a jigsaw puzzle that doesn't work. Right. Well, if a mayor were to, were to say top down, here's what a bike grid system for our city is going to be and how we're going to build it, then everyone knows what part they play. It connects to each other in a way that works. And so it's going to take a lot of courage for a mayor or a mayoral candidate to come out and say, here's what we need to do, and that's what we're going to get started on when we're in office. Absolutely. And you have a, a there's a, your community has folks that want to be able to walk more. I mean, even like having pedestrian dedicated streets. Do you have a, a vision with that involved, you know, where we just turn a street over to, you know, a shopping area uh, with, with restaurants and, and musicians and, uh, and just walkability? 
Yeah, we started doing a little bit of it on Catalpa between Clark and Ashland, right? So we created, during COVID, a shared street where it was blocked off sometimes for events and for farmer's markets. So first you have to get people to wrap their head around it. But then you also have to bring in the local chamber, talk to the businesses to make sure they don't feel nervous about that change, right? Because it's their bottom line. And after COVID, you know, people are more concerned about it. So I think by doing a process where people can understand what it feels like, where shop owners understand that they're not losing clientele and they can actually gain money by being able to do that. And we have studies that show that we can get there. But I think it's important that we all do these things responsibly because if you do them wrong, yeah. you undermine trying to do it anywhere else. Absolutely. I think you're right. If it's mindful, if it's intentional, obviously that, that makes all the difference in the world of it being successful. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about, well, first of all, you know, I've done all the all the stuff because you, you are in the seat right now. And I feel like there are folks who maybe don't know you. Maybe they live in your community and they're now just starting to think about the aldermanic race or they haven't had a reason to reach out to you. Let's talk a little bit about you. Where did you grow up, Alderman? Uh, I always say, where didn't I grow up? <laughs> so, you know, first, First, it was like Milwaukee Damon area, like in the late 80s, early 90s. But because we were broke and an immigrant family, every two years we'd move. So I went from there to Northern Keeler, to Belmont and Oakley, to Addison Elston, right? So I stayed kind of like on the north side and west side. And I only, I ended up in 40 about 11 years ago when I started dating my wife who lived in 40. And so we've been here ever since. And it's been pretty uh, ideal. In 40 because of a girl. I hear you. Where'd you go to high school? Yeah, go ahead. uh, Yeah, so I I went to four different public schools, ended up going to Lane Tech and graduated in 97. How did I not know? Have we talked about this before? Go Lane. To you, will that be true? Might have. Go Lane. Sorry, I always break out in a song. Um, Yeah, class of 89. I'm not saying I'm older, but I just said I was. Uh (laughs) Grown, grown. That's all that is. Grown. Well, so did they still have shop classes when you were at Lane? Because I had wood shop, electric shop, foundry, and yeah. machine shop. You had all that? Some of that? I had wood. I had wood shop. I had welding, and I was horrible at auto shop. But I had all three. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had welding. Foundry was miserable, Alderman. It was the worst class in the world. Do you still have your arrow and plaque? Oh, I think we lost I you. Can't oh. find it. So. You, you can't find it? Oh, oh no! Can you hear me? Yeah, I heard you. I th- yeah, I don't. I think my parents might have it. We'll see. <laughs> okay, let's get back to. Let me focus back on your. Uh, on the, so, but after high school, what was? What, what did you set out in life to do? What was your plan? So, uh, I thought I was going to be a rapper. So I was. Uh, I was uh, rapping for about ten, fifteen years while also working retail jobs. I went to UIC, um, but you know, like most people who don't feel comfortable going to high school, didn't know the counselors. My parents were immigrants. wasn't able to finish, and ultimately. Ended up working retail, um, went from running a store at AT&T to becoming a marketing manager for the state of Illinois, and got my degree uh, in business administration while doing so. So I, I kind of just had a whole regular experience, and that led me to working in from customer service to public service, which is not that different. Well, what, so what was the catalyst? What was the moment where you went, you know what, I really should run for older person. This is what I want to do now. Uh, so first it was getting um, activated by Bernie Sanders. Right, who sounded, and this is weird, sounded to me like my old rap records when he talked about inequality and like how the system has injustices. So that and having children led me to become a community organizer in my own neighborhood. And then through that, I met uh, the People's Lobby and groups that, that really put me into a candidate pipeline. And then I was like, you know what, if we have enough people that want to do this together with us, we'll run for office. 
and ultimately ran against uh, somebody who had been here for 36 years uh, and put a million and a half dollars to try to stop us. But Wow. I did not know that. That's a that's a lot of money. That is a lot of so people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say my predecessor was the chair of finance, the mayor's floor leader, and yeah, put up a million and a half dollars against it. Wow. By the way, we just got a text. Uh, go lane, go from a uh, friend of the show. That's right. <laughs> as soon as we say Merle lane, and gold, baby. <laughs> yeah. What the hell is Myrtle? It's a very dark green. People, Myrtle is a very dark green, not turtle green, just because it rhymes. Uh, so you, so you run for uh, for alderman, alderman. You're successful. You've been there for four years. What has surprised you the most of being an alder person for the 40th ward? Well, so I think part of it is, I mean, none of us expected a pandemic, right? And <laughs> yeah, so that's a, I think, surprising. Yep. You know, yeah, no, so I, I kind of was, you know, the beginning of it, I was concerned that people were going to become more isolated, right? We weren't able to be in the same spaces. But what really surprised me, you know, in a pleasant way, is that neighbors came together to help each other out, to make masks, to deliver services, to help do volunteer vaccinations. Um, the fact that we were able to build community and find our own solutions uh, surprised me but also just gave me more faith in what we can continue to do. That's a, it, and it, it really does drive you knowing that, that, that it's helping people. And I, Oh, by the way, we got a text. Someone was asking, you know, we have this huge race for the, for the mayoral you know, candidacy. What, yeah. How many candidates are in yours? Two years, one challenger? Uh, we have two challengers in our race. Um, that they, you know, it's democracy. People sure. get, into the, uh, get into the race. Yeah. Sure. So one of the, but one of the texters wanted to know where do you stand on fair vote, uh, vote, fair choice voting, like ranked choice voting, fair vote. I think if we, I, I am in support, and I think if we, if we had a ranked choice vote for mayor, we'd be in better position right now because it's it's a right? wild one. Right. I mean, because yeah. because one, we have to have a runoff. And don't you think that people would feel more as though their vote counted rather than going and like casting a vote or, or just not even going at all? Because you're like, what difference does it make? Don't you think they'd be more invested knowing they could rank them? I think so, too. And I think that because we have the runoffs, we always have to make calculations of like, well, we're sure in the runoff. Who's had a better shot? And instead of just saying these are the candidates I prefer based on their platform and values rank them, and then you get better results in ranked choice voting, I believe. I, I agree with you. So we're going to start taking a tally and see how many people uh, support ranked choice voting uh, from our, in particular for those who are either in office or running for office. Uh, I kept you for one long segment because I know you're on the doors. Uh, so let me know, give me give me your, your two-minute pitch uh, to the folks of the 40th Ward or someone who knows folks in the 40th Ward uh, why they should reelect you. Yeah, absolutely. I think people, when I came into office, um, might have might have said, hey, I don't know what this new guy's going to do, but in the four years, we've done more development, we've improved services, we've citywide improved the tree trimming services, we wrote our own budget for the city, we've made sure that we can be responsive, we've put out more communication than people have seen in this ward in a decade. And we want to continue building on that work, because now that we've pivoted past the pandemic, we can progress into promise. And I think we can do that together, um, which is why I ask our neighbors for the support for four more years. And what website should they visit in order to find out more about your campaign? Uh, maybe if they want to volunteer in these last few, uh, in this last, what, 10 days before the election and, uh, and get involved. Yeah, so they can go to andrefor40th.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-F-O-R-4-0-T-H.com. Or because I am also one of the most, if not the most accessible alderman in the city, they can shoot me a text message at 773 999 
Outstanding. We'll get back to it. Uh, wish you the very best, and we'll talk to you. If you want to check in with us next week and, and want to just check in with people, let me know. Uh, we'll be here Monday through Friday, 5 to 7, if you want to hit us again. Well, and we still have to do our joint segment, no pun intended. And what uh, Do you remember what it was called? Highly recommended with Andre Vasquez. There you go. We'll get it done. Vasquez and Vasquez. We'll do it right. <laughs> I, like, I like it. I, I've been, uh, I've been uh, experimenting, uh, but we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, for All folks, right, for no, for folks, well, here for folks who are wondering, uh, Alderman Vasquez has also been working towards uh, normalizing the use of cannabis because we ha- we overindulge with with alcohol yeah. without even thinking about it, and there is there is a time and a place for using cannabis, right? And and uh, and marijuana and and all those Mary Jane, as they yeah. say, the dork that I am. And, and, and here's the thing. And there's plenty of people out there who, like myself, have a medical card because we deal with anxiety and. We work that way. We have therapists. But I think we have to really think about that it's a healthier option than drinking or, or a lot of the things that we know are problematic. So, yeah, I, I look forward to having those conversations, too. Outstanding. Enjoy. I hope it's a, I hope it's a nice warm weekend. It's supposed to warm up a little bit. So I, uh, I'm really jealous of you guys because this has been a mild winter. You, you, you got off easy, my friend. I know, I know. But, yeah, let's go with it to talk to neighbors, though. Thank you so much, Patty. Absolutely. Bye. I'll talk to you again soon again. That's Andre Vasquez, Alderman of the 40th Ward, running for re-election. Get it, go get it. Enjoy yourself and be safe. Thanks. You Th- thank you. Let me take a quick break here. And I know we've got a call on the line to talk about uh, an event coming up in the suburbs. Jim, I'll take a call in just a moment uh, on WCPT 820. The show is sponsored by Manaqua Brewing. Go to the Patty Vasquez show page. See, You can see right there, pinned at the top, all the uh, locations in the Chicagoland area where you can pick up some progressive brew. And we're going to be giving away uh, some gifts next week. So make sure you tune in and uh, find out how you can pick up some uh, um, some gift cards from our Local Manaqua Brewing Partners uh, right here in the Chicagoland area, including Our Public House, Orange and Brew in Downers Grove, Eastside Cafe Coffee and Wine Bar, Beer on Central in Evanston, Convito Cafe and Market in Wilmette, Annoyance Theater, just to name a few. And uh, I will uh, tell you all about that next week. We'll be right back after this. The Tom Hartman Radio Program provides all of the intelligence, information, and insight you'll need to win the water cooler wars. Weekdays 11 to 2, right here on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at ANS Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now. At 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Now on WCPT 820. I, uh, I'm so excited talking to all the candidates in these last 10 days. There's just such great energy. Uh, I know that they're out talking to the constituents and uh, trying to get people out to vote. But we also want to talk about some stories that are in the news and coming up next week. Jim wants to tell us, talk a little bit about the this. Uh, who's coming to town? Jim, what's happening? Patty, a couple of things. I'm glad you lost your race because I'm glad you got the radio show. (laughs) Anyway, 
my husband is, my husband is shaking his fist at the radio right now. He's like, I get it, Jim, but she would have been a good legislator. He really, yeah, my no, husband. No, no, but you're Thank better, you. You're better up on the radio, kid. But, <laughs> but I just think of all I was saying. There's one thing to go for a drink. There's another thing to be driven to it. And that's what Crocodile Dundee's going to do to me on Monday when he shows up at Elmhurst. <sighs> and uh, he's going to address the gendarmes at Elmhurst. I just wonder if one of them will get up and ask him about uh, Trump's accusation that he uh, was drinking uh, repeatedly with underage girls. That was on his true social account uh, last yeah, week. Yeah, they're going to devour each other. Go ahead. And then uh, his stance on concealing carry, I'm sure that will make us all safer if everybody's packing a, a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with traffic disputes and you name it, bicycle disputes. and But... Uh, uh, I don't know what he's got to say. The, uh, it's just too much because that guy is. I don't. Know, what do you think of him? Have you, uh, you got any idea what he's like? Or I, does, I don't. Have, I don't have a clue. Are we talking about DeSantis? Yeah. 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 Of yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. No, I. I. I don't. I, the. the it, se- it seems like he got into this vein of cruelty. Right. Whether it's saying that African-American studies are there's no educational you know, need for it or, you know, drag shows and putting targets on people who are just trying to live their lives. Or I mean, like the, the, even covid. Right. Basically just lifting all the 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 mediation in order to slow the, the growth of the virus. Uh, he seems like a, a just downright cruel person and and saw that people. We're drawn to that for whatever. I mean, they're just people who like authoritarians or people who uh, are pointing at somebody like life is, you know, if your life is hard, it's that person's fault. So if I'm mean to them, that'll make you feel better. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's a bully. Yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. And then they have the nerve to be a governor and pick, pick curriculum. I remember years ago, uh, Howlett was governor and uh, I was at the school. I was at to ask me to attend bar there and one of the nuns was entertaining him. Nicest guy in the world, but I couldn't imagine this gentleman picking the curriculum. This was the principal of the school, you know, and starting to dictate to her what she was going to teach or not to teach. That's how it's changed so much. And that was the 70s. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how they you have the nerve to get away with that. But anyway, it, uh, I don't know what. I should go there with a mustache or something like that. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to do. On Monday, show up at Elmhurst. You know, I used to have some friends in Elmhurst. Anyway, Patty, you have a restful weekend. And thanks for taking my call. Uh, I appreciate that. You too. Have a great weekend, Jim. All right. we There, there is a lot of news. And, uh, and I mean, like one of the things that comes to mind, uh, Santita Jackson had a great conversation this morning about the train derailment in Ohio and the fallout from that. I don't if you saw today, President Biden is sending teams into uh, the area in order to test the water, the soil, the air and see whether or not it truly is safe. Uh, you know, there's a lot of look, there's a lot of finger pointing right now. The the focus has to be uh, primarily on making sure that the people, the residents and their families are all safe. there. Uh, wildlife. They're worried about uh, farm stock, uh, pets. So uh, I know the president is uh, is turning his attention and putting it. And I don't know if there were the, the governor was uh, trying to hold uh, hold him at bay and didn't want him involved, didn't want him to seem like he was doing anything. Uh, We shouldn't be playing games with people's lives. And then we talk about, you know, who and why and how, all those things. Uh, You know, was it the deregulation? Because it sounds like 
This is WCPT 820. Listen in Chicago on 820 AM or stream us live on WCPT820.com. The TuneIn Radio app or tell Alexa or Google to play WCPT. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And this hour is sponsored by Monaco Brewing Company. Go to the Patty Vasquez Show page to find out where you can pick up Progressive Brew in the Chicagoland area. It's pinned right there at the top, and I'm excited to give away some gift cards next week from some of our friends that do ha- carry Monaco Brewing. And we also want to thank our friends at Kids Above All. Go to kidsaboveall.org to support the work that they do to help children reach their potential and help them feel happy, healthy, and safe. And uh, support their mission by visiting the website kidsaboveall.org. And I want to wish our, our friend Warren Price a, a, a quiet weekend. Uh, I, I know that uh, it can get busy when it gets icy out, but our friend at European and U.S. Car Service. Uh, he's he's ready to go, though, even though it's, uh, you know, maybe he's not working, but they've got the phone up, 773-248-1200, or visit EuropeanUS.com if you need their services. He's my guy. I got a car guy. Now, I also have a movie guy. I got uh, Mike Crowley in studio. <laughs> We've got to get our friend Matt Fagerholm in studio and his oh, wife yeah. as well. Uh, it would be fun to have you guys all. And maybe we'll do that ahead of the Academy Awards. I'll, I'll see if all That would be you. amazing. I actually just filmed something for the Oscars for my show, and it was my grand return to the uh, bar, because I used to do my show at a bar, but because COVID happened, everyone did everything online, but we actually all showed up to that to talk about all 10 of the Best Picture nominees. Oh, fun! Yeah, which, it's a lot of movies, but... There's a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah th- there's always, like, the occasional tool where you're like, why is this in here? I mean, the biggest snub of the year was a movie called RRR, and it was from India, but it it's amazing. It's a pure spectacle. It's a musical. It's an action movie. And it's a romance all wrapped into one. Seamlessly almost. It's it's why you go to the movies. And if you go to one of the live screen, I went to a live screening at the Music Box Theater. And there's about like, I don't know, 500, 1,000 people in there just clapping along to the music and everything to that film. But if you guys ever want to see something that's just great, and if you have a Netflix account, type in RRR. Okay. I don't know what they st- the R stand for. <laughs> Excellent. But, yeah. what, what do you think? The, is it is it uh, that um, somebody decided not to market it to Americans, or it just didn't? Cause I, I, I haven't seen so. anything about RRR. I think so. I think they didn't really market it enough, especially towards the Academy. So I think India itself didn't do that when that when it came to uh, promoting the film, which is unfortunate because everyone I know. I remember I convinced um, a family member of mine who usually doesn't like to see things to see it, and she was like, "Oh my God! Thank God you recommend it." And I'm like, "Yeah." That's everyone's reaction to it. Like, you know how in uh, action movies when they have fighting scenes and then each person that's fighting the one guy, they all come in at one time? Well, this one has a scene where this guy's fighting like a 100 people while they're coming at him at the same time, and it works. It's insane. I, I, I'm trying to imagine all of this. And by the way, so it says, it says, is this correct? A tale of two legendary revolutionaries and their journey far away from home? Yeah. After their journey, they return home to start fighting back against British colonialists mm-hmm. in the 1920s. Yeah, yeah, those are the bad guys, and uh, they—you'll uh, see how they get involved in it. But it's—it's it's cool how how one of them actually like works for them, but he's trying to infiltrate them, and then the other guy is trying to uh, save his his. Uh, sister from them. Okay. Yeah. So they kind of play like a very imperial sort of bad guy sort of role in that show. Show. Movie. movie. Sorry. Right. That's Sorry. okay. Yeah. No, I was, track- I was tracking. I right. was tracking. Well, so you think that that was one of the big... So we can talk, we talk, like, we, let's do the Academy Awards first, and then we'll get to current movies sure. since we're here. So you feel yeah. like that was a big snub. Yeah, um, that was a big one. I knew what was going to happen, too. I knew that they weren't going to take it seriously, so... 
You know, it didn't bother me. Okay. <laughs> well, and yeah, we can't take it personally. Yeah. Uh, we're not involved. We got no skin in that game. So right. uh, I have been watching. So I watched. So did. Uh, okay. I watched Tar. I've been watching Tar. I didn't, I, I'm dropping. Wow. I'm dropping yeah. into movies and not really because there's too many for me to watch before the Screen Actors Guild Awards. But I also want to feel like I've done some due diligence and yeah. watching performances. She's amazing. Yeah. She really is. Yeah. Was she, she nominated really for the Academy Award? Um, I don't. I don't think so. Which movie? Oh, oh you mean Kate Blanchett? Oh, yeah. yeah, she's getting it. Yeah, she's getting the Oscar. <laughs> I tuned out for a second. How is she getting the Oscar above Michelle Yeoh? Um, you know, it could get, Michelle Yeoh could get it, but Kate Blanchett's character is far more complicated mm-hmm. and just the way the director Todd Field wrote her. Because she's someone who can be extremely vindictive and power hungry, Yeah, but she can be caring and kind in little ways during that time. And and it's a movie where you don't have to see classical music to understand the film. As a matter of fact, the only time we hear music in the film is when they're composing it during the scenes when they're doing their work. What's good, what's amazing about Tar is this movie is a character piece that almost feels like it's actually about a real person. It does. Yeah. It does a doc, like, like a biography, but it's not a biopic. Exactly. It's not a biopic. It's a fake person. I know I even Googled Lydia Tar at one moment. I'm going, she's probably not real, <laughs> but just, but they, but they put in so many little details with her character that are subtle. Yet they come together in the end. Like uh, one image I can think of is she, they randomly cut to her in a gym hitting a punching bag. And you're like, okay, why, why are we seeing that? But when we go back to it later, we see, oh, that's how she always has worked out her stress. But unfortunately, it didn't always work out for her. How far did you get in the movie? The, so the scene I'm on is so about, I think, about 45 minutes. So it's where her, uh, her partner, I don't know if it's her wife, her wife is uh, right. panicking because she can't find her medication. Uh, and, and she's done something. Like, she has, yeah. I, I shouldn't give it away. But I was like, oh, so she's been, she's really controlled. I mean, like, ultimately very controlling. Yeah. Um, and she wants to obviously be masculine. Like, she, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a, there's this very um, maleness to her. And, and the way she talks about music with uh, the student uh, of color and about, like, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I just, I, I love, I, I, there's something compelling about her and repulsive. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. You know, she, she's a compelling character, but at the same time, she's also, like, done horrible things. Yeah. You know, where... Does she pay the price for it? Well, I, I can't say anything more. Sure. I'm going to ruin it. But <laughs> a fascinating character piece about a person who doesn't really exist yet seems to. Well, Michelle Yeoh seems like she's the front runner, though, or one of the favorites to win the Academy Award. I feel like Michelle Yeoh, she has a lot of votes going towards her. And look, sure, her performance was was very good in everything, everywhere, all at once. I didn't think it was great, you know, but it was, it didn't stand out like Kate Blanchett's did in Tar, but that's because she has so much more to play with. Right. But I, I, I feel like it's going to go to Blanchett this year. Interesting. She, she, she seems like she's locked for it. And, you know, she's been, she hasn't gotten an Oscar before, which surprises me, considering how many, I thought she, huh. she played Queen Elizabeth. I was going to say, she, she didn't win for that? Interesting. No. Mm. Yeah, I thought she did, and she didn't. So she's long overdue. I 
I think Kate Blanchett is also one of uh, this generation's best actors available. I was trying to remember if she pl- did. She was she the one that played Catherine Hepburn in the, the yes, movie about uh, the Aviator? Yeah, and she got nominated for that. Didn't win. She was great as Hepburn in that movie. You know, and it's incredible how many actors we have that are not from America who play Americans better than Americans who play Americans in American movies. It's a little annoying. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Let's see who rounds out the uh, Academy Award co- uh, category for best actress or best woman in an acting role. Oh well, that's Kate Blanchett who's winning. But you know what? One of the supporting actors, and I'd be very happy if she won, was a uh, Hong Chao in uh, uh, the Whale. Now the movie is kind of. Have you seen the Whale at all? I, no, that one I oh. still have to get to. It's it's very melodramatic. Yeah, you know that's what I've heard. Yeah, it's very much like give me an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of it what screams that right as soon as as soon as the uh, the first scene opens. Yeah, I mean it just. Oh God, the first scene is just ridiculous. I, I was. It's kind of a repulsive scene in a way, but not really. But. I, I, I won't give. I won't give away. But Hong Chao, she had to. Everyone's focuses on Brendan Fraser for that movie. Sure. But Chao does a great job, kind of counteracting him, kind of playing this almost sister-like presence who needs to take care of this guy. Because in the whale, to give you an idea what the plot is, it's about a guy who is self-destructing by eating himself to, to death. You know, so right. he's about, and he doesn't want to get better. You know, basically, he wants to die. From overeating. Yeah. Okay. And this girl is basically helping, enabling him, because she's a registered nurse. It sounds like leaving Las Vegas, but with food instead of oh, alcohol. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah, exactly. It's like leaving Las Vegas, where someone isn't doing it because they enjoy doing it. It's because they want to kill themselves. And yeah, yeah, again, heavy topic. But it's also heavily dramatized for the for the screen, right? You know, because you just have so many scenes where Brendan Fraser is eating enormous amounts of food and he's crying at the same time. It's just like, okay, this is a little much. Like it's supposed to have a sympathetic end towards you know obesity, but at the same time, I think it's. Uh, it's unintentionally funny. Oh dear! I had, well, I had friends that because uh, it is ha- a dark movie. Uh, friends of mine told me that they I, I don't know if they just didn't look at the synopsis, but right. they took it. They it was their date night. They got a hotel room. They decided to have an edible, mm. and uh, they went to go see the whale. And they said they sobered up right away because it was not like a fun high. Yeah, <laughs> no, they, no. They, they wanted to see a movie with a man in a six hundred pound suit, you know. Bathing himself. That's not the best way. To, you know, I always wish I took an... Oh, I shouldn't give that away. But, uh, <laughs> for what, what movie? What movie do you Edible for what movie was going to be Dune. Dune? Oh, I yeah, saw I can it. see that. Oh, my God, because it's so dreamy. Yeah. And, and, or another great stuff you could take edibles to are, like, David Lynch movies. Oh, God, or, it would freak me out. That would freak me out. Yeah, yeah, those are a little too freaky. It depends on the movie. I, I think anything with music for me would probably be something... Okay, it's so like a musical play. film, like Pink Floyd's The Wall or something that like that. That seems intense. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, I'm thinking more like singing in the rain or something. Okay, yeah, yeah, something a little nicer. 
I will say Clockwork Orange ruins singing yes. in the rain for me. It's like, uh, I, I can't tell but think of that scene whenever they reference that. Ugh. Yeah, well, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. So the, well, the the actress that was not nominated, uh, so that's the, I think it's a, oh, the phone's ringing. Why is that? Am I supposed to be calling? Am I? Do I have a guest that I forgot about? I don't think so. It says warm. <laughs> Three, zero, <nine. laughs> it says warm. That's the hotline. Oh. The hotline. We don't want to call it the hotline. We want to call it the tepid line. Oh, it's, gotcha, it's gotcha. Not, not <laughs> um, I don't know what that was. Uh, anyway, um, so the uh, so the actresses who are nominated, we mentioned Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Uh, we've mentioned Michelle Yeoh in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yeah. Uh, Ana de Armas, who plays Marilyn yeah. Monroe in Blonde. She was fantastic in that. You she know, really she, is. She, she, I mean, the movie, eh, you know, now that's that's one you definitely don't want to take it out of too. It's it's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like that we've got a criteria now: edible or no edible. For yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's legal in Illinois. We can talk about it. Absolutely, we can talk about it. Here's one that got some controversy as to why she was nominated, which is Andrea Riseborough. Oh yeah. So this is a film I actually called Did See That movie. To Leslie. Yeah. And apparently, Mary McCormick, whose husband I think is like a big wig in Hollywood, sent out like an encouragement. Encouragement for her, her circle to um, spread yeah. the word and nominate this actress. So, what are your thoughts on her performance in Two Leslie? Um, the movie isn't that good, but she was, you know, very good in it. Was she like best picture worthy? Like, no, I guess not. Because what she she plays this character who won the lottery years ago, but she pissed all the money away on uh, alcohol. And now it's basically about this woman trying to kind of put her life back together. But how do you spend still, it all on alcohol? I mean, uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't, don't know how she spent yeah. it on alcohol, and she still remained to be thin. Like even <laughs> that bothers me too. Yeah, that always like, bothers me in movies. Like, <laughs> like, like someone's like an alcoholic, and yet like they're thin. It's Rail like, well, thin, maybe, yeah. yeah. It's like, well, maybe they don't eat a lot. It's like even if they don't eat a lot, the alcohol adds like. Forty pounds automatically. Exactly. Yeah, to take it to someone who quit drinking. Wow, that weight goes away fast. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Okay, so we've got the that's the uh, and then Michelle Williams for the Fablemans. Yeah, she was she was very good in it too. I, I think this is a deserving list, the best actress list, and it's a, it's a tough one, you know, because Michelle Williams is playing somebody who is suffering from some sort of mental disorder. We don't know what it is. And she has to still be a mom and hold up her responsibilities despite dealing with some mental health issues that she needs to take care of. And yeah, as playing Steven Spielberg's mother, yeah, she certainly did a fine job in that role. She was she 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 was disturbed, not disturbing. I'm, I'm distraught. I would say her character is distraught, but also very loving. And that's mostly thanks to the screenplay that uh, Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner put together for that film. But, I mean, if I were to choose my favorite out of all of them, it would be Kate Blanchett. She she had the most versatility in her role compared to the others who kind of, like, had to play a specific note. But the one Blanchett plays is far more meticulous and fascinating to watch unfold. It really, she, like I said, she's uh, compelling and revolting, which is a very complicated way to play a character, to be. It is. Although, I mean, I guess I, I, I have my moments. Anyway, well, <laughs> I'm sure we all have we our all? moments. Yes, don't we exactly. All? <laughs> We're hanging out with Mike Crowley. He's the, uh, he's the movie critic uh, of the show. And uh, we'll be inviting some movie critics in in the next few weeks ahead of the Academy Awards. And uh, you can go to his website, YPA 
Reviews. You'll probably agree Perfect. reviews. And uh, you can see his work there, including video and uh, written work. And uh, we want to find out more about his thoughts on the Academy Award nominations. If you have any other questions, we're also going to talk about new releases. Uh, Ant-Man was on TV yesterday, and then they were doing like promos for oh, Qu- yeah. Quantum Mania. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Oh, both of them. Okay. What happened to her hair? We'll talk about that when we come back. <laughs> WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. It's Friday. I want to talk about movies and uh, relaxing a little bit. Maybe you're looking for something to watch. I mean, there's a lot of series to watch out there, by the way. I watched oh, yeah. uh, both seasons of uh, White Lotus. Okay. Because uh, I, I kind of enjoyed that. Okay. It was a, sort of sickly fun. You know, there's so many good things to watch around television right now. And one thing that is amazing to see is, do you have HBO? By any I chance? do. Yeah, that's great. Have you seen The Last of Us or do you know of it? I do know of it. I've heard a lot. A lot of uh, people talking about this, The Last of Us. So yeah. you enjoyed it? Yeah. I love it, okay. you know, and the reason I love it is because the white, the the, the last of us, the white of us, what the heck? <laughs> I don't know where, oh, because you said white lotus, that's why. I did. I, 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 com- I was like, did I accidentally I get them. myself canceled? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, the, the last of us has done something phenomenal, which is it broke the live action to video game uh, the, the the video. I'm sorry. Let me reverse that. It broke the video game to live action adaptation curse. Okay. You know because every movie that's been based on a video game has been boring. With the and uh, every show hasn't been that great either. With the exception, but it's not live action of Castlevania. The Last of Us takes a story that has universal praise and they change it around a bit and they extend some of it in a way that is absolutely riveting drama. And they finally did it. Now the possibilities are open where we can actually adapt video games into something that's dramatically feasible for an audience. And not only that, it, it, it introduces audiences to video games as a form of art, which I really think is a high form of art that doesn't get enough appreciation because we always tie video games to Super Mario and stuff like that. Yeah. But we never t- tie it to, but we sometimes tie it to The Last of Us, which is a very universally heart-wrenching story that you play, you know, and because you're so immediately in the interaction with the material at hand, it engrosses you more in it. So you have The Last of Us with a great story. There's this one amazing game and there's a documentary about it too. It's called This Dragon Cancer. I think that's what it's called. Mm. And this movie is about or not movie, I'm sorry. This video game is accessible on cell phones and it's about his son who's dying and he's two years old and he's actually taking all the little notes from it, like all the little moments from the hospital room and all that, and he turned it into a game, you know, to, yeah, to actually have you see what his son was going through, but also there's a lot of external, 
things about going to heaven and all that, but it's one of the most gorgeous works of art I've seen in terms of context. Nice. Yeah, that dragon cancer. So it's amazing how The Last of Us is now kind of shown larger audiences, hey, we can take something that's based on a video game and it doesn't have to be junk. Right. Because we got a lot of it. Like the first Super Mario Brothers movie movie was junk. But I actually kind of have a guilty pleasure towards that film. All right. All right. But the new one, they're going in a totally different direction where it's all animated. So it looks a lot like the game. Like they're starting to get the idea finally, you know? Yeah. Instead of like being in goofy costumes. Yeah. Instead of like just recreating scenes from the game, which yeah. The Last of Us does do. You know, you still get the clickers. There was one scene, I will say, from the last episode that I saw this week, which premiered before Super Bowl Sunday. It was on uh, Friday. The, the, when, there was one scene when like all the zombies come out where I'm like, okay, this is like a silly zombie thing now. But it doesn't always do that. Yeah, uh, exactly. It, it, uh, it, 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 what the eye can take in and, and what they what they think we're capable of with our own imaginations and, yeah. and uh, transferring over a story. Yeah. You know what I mean? It makes a difference. We are hanging out with Mike Crowley. He's the movie reviewer from YPA Reviews. Ooh, let's turn to uh, the, the actors who are nominated for uh, 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned Brendan Fraser already for The Whale. Yeah. And then uh, we've talked a little bit about Austin Butler playing Elvis, a movie yeah. that was... Man, a, he was great. In he was, in a movie that was not uh, benefited by the performance of Tom Hanks. I think Oh, that, my God. Everyone hates I mean, that just, accent. It's just... I mean... This, this was my boy. Boy, it's so he, weird. I was going to make him famous. Like I, I guess that was how he really sounded, but even so, do less. Well, no, you, know? you know what's funny about that? I think if it was, if it wasn't Tom, and I, and I hate saying this because I love Tom Hanks. Yeah, but it's almost like you know he's not Meryl Streep. No. You know what I mean? And even then, I think if Meryl Streep was playing, I mean, look, she did Margaret Thatcher. It's still sort of jolting to hear someone have to work that hard for an accent that you may or may not know. (laughs) Uh, You know, if it had been like a a lesser known actor, a character actor, maybe, I don't know, but it was too much. Yeah, well, yeah, because his, well, he sounds like he's doing an SNL character. Yeah. And that's why he's throwing you off. He's doing this very silly voice. And even if the real Tom Parker, which wasn't even his name. All right. Now I'm sorry. Now I'm just doing the no, but that's, but that's basically what it sounds like, and I, it, because he's the then he's the he's narrator. narrator, which just makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but again, great performance by Austin Butler. I, I agree. Oh, yeah. Colin Farrell and the Banshees of Inertion. Yeah, oh my God, he was phenomenal. If he did come home with the gold, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Although I want to see Brendan Fraser win because I think he's everyone's darling, he's, and he seems like a sweetheart. And whatever the industry did to him, they did to him bad. Yeah, and yeah, it's good to see him come back and. It actually reminds me of another time when another Darren Aronofsky, because that's the director of the movie, he directed The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. And I remember I wanted Mickey Rourke to win and not Sean Penn because I thought Sean Penn's uh, version of Harvey Milk sounded like a stereotypical gay guy when... That's not how Harvey Milk sounded. Right. Harvey Milk maybe had like a little inclination where it sounded effeminate, but like nothing where he's like, hi, I'm I'm Harvey Milk. I'm like, what are, are you doing, man? Wild. Yeah. 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 Some, sometimes a stylized version of a, a character can be a little bit much. Yeah. But I, that, but I just remember that one over. Uh, one over the wrestler and that got me mad at the moment. <laughs> but now it's the same director with another actor making another comeback. I just found the connection to be quite ironic. 
there's a conversation to be had some other time, uh, maybe after the Academy Awards, about the, the idea of Brendan Fraser bringing this comeback and you know, in the yeah. aftermath of sexual assault, and not quite the same because you know, Mira Servino, Ashley Judd, mm-hmm. there were a lot of women who were also the targets of sexual assault and violence, and were not. Yeah. not I mean, it, because they're older actresses, maybe yeah. uh, not kind of given that same sort of uh, pl- somewhat here, and I think people were trying, um, but there's something about Brendan Fraser that's really I mean I, I was in love with him before I mean yeah. like I loved him in the Mummy movies I was a sucker for oh, the Mummy yeah. movies now, Just, my dad loved that movie when I saw it with him as a kid my dad hates oh. anything that's fantasy oh really and he yeah. loved it yeah he, he had a great time with it well because it was a very swashbuckling sort of yeah. throwback in a, in a similar not exactly as magical and wonderful as Indiana Jones right but here's the thing that I need in movies unfortunately and not so much if it's a heavy drama but I need mirth. Yeah. Harrison Ford, Brandon Fraser are action heroes who bring mirth. Yeah. You know, they have that they have a little bit of mischievousness to them. Yeah. They're gonna they have a little bit of fun. You know, there's always gonna be some quip, but not like over the top. Right, you right. Know? Right. Someone who actually blends into the environment of the film and not just kind of winking at the camera all yeah. the time and stuff like that. I mean Harrison Ford's great at that because he's always he always seems like he's grouchy. Yes. Even when he's not, you know. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I agree. And then the other, let's see, we'll, let's round this out with uh, Bill Nighy in Living. I haven't seen it. I don't either. know the movie. All right. You know, you, that's our assignment. Uh, I have to see that for SAG after us. So I've got a little time. Uh, okay. And then Paul Mescal in After Sun. Oh, yeah. He was real good in that. I remember that that was a movie where I kind of gave it a negative review at the time and I actually want to see it again. Okay. Because like, it's one of those films you're not going to get right away. But the more times that you see it, I think, because it's all very much open to interpretation, what's going on with these characters, and you're just taking little moments of them. And, but yeah, he, he played this loving father who had some personal problems, and he didn't quite know how to cope with his issues. And okay. it, was, it was about a father, a, fa- a good father to a daughter who still has some flaws that, you know, and demons he has to fight. And it's about the daughter thinking about that father. But, okay. yeah, he did a wonderful job of playing this very complicated character who has to kind of go around every day and put a smile on his face, although he's extremely nervous. Uh, I would definitely say, yeah, he's deserving to be in that role. In that, in that uh, category of best ad, actor nominations, let's yeah. take a break here. We'll, we'll we'll probably have to run through because there's ten, ten, I mean, ten, ten best picture nominations. So what I'll do is yeah. I'll, I'll just list them all off, and then uh, and um, Michael tell us what some I'll of his just favorites give one are. Word. Bad, good, <laughs> bad, good. <laughs> I don't mean to be that basic. <laughs> let's uh, come back with Mike Crowley. YPA reviews. It's you'll probably agree. Reviews ypareviews.com to find all of Mike's work, and we'll continue our conversation in just a moment. We're also going to talk about quantum mania ant-man and wasp quantum mania yeah i don't know if i can take it again too much too much jonas Pazito, live local and progressive on wcpt willow springs is powered by comed see how comed is preparing for a clean energy future at comed.com slash clean energy you're listening to wcpt 820 because facts matter You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. 
as we head into the weekend, we're hanging out with Mike Crowley, the reviewer, movie reviewer at YPA Reviews. You'll probably uh, probably agree. Reviews. Yep, that's you'll YPA. You'll probably agree. You'll probably agree. Maybe not. Reviews. And, and we won't hold it against you if you don't agree. <laughs> so I'm just going to go through. Shoot. Okay. Uh, let's see. Do you want to do this? So there's ten movies that are ten nominated. Movies. Uh, I'll say they're they're all they're all good. Here, good night. Between one and ten, <laughs> what's their shot at winning? But one between one and ten, uh, Top Gun. Top Gun's not going to win it. Okay. Yeah, th- that's one that could have been replaced with, with RRR, I think. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Women Talking. Women Talking. Yeah, fantastic movie. Uh, how, do, how, do I, how do I put it Put it in short? I'm not the right guy to make a short abbreviation for Women Talking. Uh, the trauma of sexual assault in yeah. the Amish community and the ways in which the religion uh, suppresses their ability to express themselves. Right. And apparently it's not Amish. It's a different... Community. I apologize. They, I haven't no, seen no, it's okay. I, Similar. I, someone I guess. corrected me on my show about it, but I can't remember the name of the community the, for the, the life Dutch, of me. The, uh, There's something remember. with a B. Okay. Yeah. All right. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, that's going to win the movie. That's going to win the award, I think, for the night. It okay. seems like everyone's darling. Uh, I, I released a video on TikTok from when I was at the bar talking about all the uh, movies, and everyone hated my. Because I, I just thought it was okay. You know, the, it's great. It's supposed to be silly, but some of those emotional beats don't really land their mark. You when, mean hot dog fingers? Really? Yeah, like it, it took a little long for me. Which I get it. It's cute. It's enjoyable. It's it's wonderfully imaginative, yep. and it's a very good movie. But I don't think it's a great movie. But because I didn't think it was a great movie, everyone Got hated mad at you. me everywhere, <laughs> all, all at once. once. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the Banshees of Innersen. Uh, the Banshees of Sharon won't win, but it's a real. That's a that's one where you got to see if you have the stomach for it, because some crazy stuff happens in Banshees of Sharon, but it's also subjugated upon the uh, the way society works and how we speak to each other and how we value our work and the friends that we make and the friends that we must let go of, and it's all through. Brendan Gleeson's character, where he no longer wants to speak to Colin Farrell's character. And the town gets mad at him and, for that. Yeah, well, because they're, they're in such a small island, they're like right next door to each other. You know, you go to the pub, well, there's that guy who doesn't want to talk to me anymore, and I just got to be in his presence. That's not going to be awkward at all. So, yeah, they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I think in the Sharon, if I read it correctly, that's not a real island. I think they made it up for the film. Okay. Well, one performance that really stands out, because uh, this movie is an actor's piece. Sure. It is written for actors to perform with other actors so they can put it on their reel. So Carrie Condon, who's the one female in the movie, is great. I love her line, all you men are effing born. You know? Sure. Yeah, because she's the one reasonable one amongst everybody on that island and she stands out just because she takes what little she can do with that character and makes it a little more and whatever someone can do that and bring it to the screen is great but yeah Banshees of Inishirin a very complicated I'd say movie and not an easy watch it's very slow moving but if you're into something that's a little strange I couldn't recommend it more okay I, hey, I like strange, as yeah. uh, people will tell you. Uh, I've never heard of Triangle of Sadness. Okay, yeah. Now, there's an indie movie for people who love movies that can movie. The Triangle of Sadness is a film about 
a group of people who are rich who are on a boat, but it starts to tail off with two other people, and one is an Instagram other model, the other one is a a, a, a male. Oh, one is an Instagram model, and then the other guy was, uh, oh yeah, he was a male model. That was it. Okay. So we follow them who get invited to this cruise, and when they get on this boat, all sorts of weird stuff happens there's a vomiting scene in oh, there that tops yeah that tops team americans team america's vomiting scene if you've ever seen it but the movie does go on for a while the story gets a little unfocused it no longer follows the two characters we did in the beginning but rather makes them secondary characters in the second to third act although the movie is strongest in the second act when it takes place on the boat but when it gets into the third act it it just kind of runs out of energy and you know you, you're waiting for the film to finish at that point okay uh, the fablemans we've talked a little bit about yeah a movie about steven spielberg's childhood which is an homage to his mother even if there is some weird stuff going on with the family that i don't want to get into that'll ruin it the fablemans is steven spielberg's sentimentality shown when he's not overly sentimental but he's able to emote at his best cinematically. I have I did not realize there. I thought that All Quiet on the Western Front was like just a movie from a while ago. Yeah, but the 1930 new... original that won the Academy Award. So this one, <laughs> so I haven't heard anything about this new version. This is a new version based directly on the novel. It was made in Germany, and it's about this guy who's a young, gung-ho soldier in the German military who's ready to go to war. And of course, immediately when he's brought to war, he just sees nothing but death and violence and he doesn't want to be a part of it anymore but now he's stuck there yeah and yeah it was the first anti-war film when it came out in 1930 i believe and it did win the academy award for best director and best picture now this one i have to say it is a good uh adaptation it's especially horrifying like this movie is just loaded with like there's a scene where they're throwing dead bodies in a gigantic hole you know there's people gargling on their own blood when they're getting shot oh, it's, dear. yeah it's it's violent and it almost teeters on uh, Hackshaw Ridge territory instead of saving Private Ryan territory. Okay. Where Private Ryan was respect, like, although there was guts and blood and all that, he was doing it to display the horror of war and also what these guys had to put through. You had to go through in order to, you know, get through World War II. You see, uh, Hackshaw Ridge, it looks like something from a Sam Raimi film. There's one part where a guy just jumps up in front of the frame and he's screaming, ah, oh God. and then his head blows up. And oh it's dear. like, it's directed by Bill Gibson. So, you know, right, right. he's supposed to be showing the horrors of war, but I feel more like he was a kid enjoying playing with all the fake blood and stuff like that. Because his movies are always extremely yeah, violent. A little, a little bit gra- yeah, a little bit graphic. Yeah. A little too much. But yeah, graphic, graphic, horrible, horrible movie about, not horrible movie, but horrifying movie about the Second World War. Right. So we were talking about All Quiet on the Western Front, which uh, is by Malte Grunert. Grunert? Uh, all, all Quiet on the Western Front. I don't know who... I don't have the... Yeah. Direct, uh, Mal- oh, we care. Malte Brunner, producer. We're, we're, we're destroying his name. Yeah, and he's not the director. It's the producer? He's What's the producer. Direct, oh, Ed, Edward Berger. Berger? Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't have it up on my IMDb right here, That's so right. I'm not and, sure. And then, of course, we know James Cameron for Avatar: The Avatar Way of Water. I don't get. I don't. I just don't get into these movies at all. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Although I liked Edie Fal- seeing Edie Falco, but it, it's great for the thrills. But once that wears off, you get you get tired, you know, and then. What more is there? What more is there once you get used to seeing Pandora? It's just another... I will say that it has a very clear antagonist, Mm -hmm. which is great because he's a villain who's extremely capable of killing uh, and killing a lot. And they have to go against him. So for all the Gorsuch stuff, hey, that's great. But the rest (laughs) of it... Uh, three and a half hours is really asking yeah, a lot for an it's audience. it's aggressive. Yeah. And then we've talked a little bit about Elvis. Uh, Tom Hanks kind of ruins it. So- we love you, Tom, but uh, I can't. It's I'm just- sorry. You just do not so good for this movie. It was weird. My and then, boy is talented. And Tar, I think, is a little too slow for a, an Academy Award yeah. win for this category. Yeah, it's not going to win. Uh, for an audience, I wonder if, how many people would actually sit through it and enjoy it or... If they would just find it dull. But that <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, yeah. a movie that I enjoyed a lot. I love Top Gun Maverick. It is a great time in the theater. It's, uh, spe- I mean, Jesus, you got to hear it in the theater, first of all. I would imagine. Yeah, not even yeah. just seeing it, but hearing it. Oh, sure. my God. And that's a movie that's done by a director who usually settles with a lot of CGI. But that film did a lot of its stunts. Uh, on yeah, I heard in camera. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard that he had the actors actually go up in uh, in planes with pilots in order. Yeah. To Tom Cruise wanted them to be, get that feeling. Yeah, let's take a break here, and we've got to talk about uh, Ant Man Wasp and the Quantum Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. I think we're coming to the end of these movies. <laughs> if Peggy is not in that movie, I don't care anyway, and I know he's not. More in a moment on the WCPTA twenty. We're hanging out with Mike Crowley, <laughs> the reviewer for YPA Reviews. I mean, I don't even. Even know what your review is. I just I'm, I kind of burned out on. on oh, this. it's okay. All right, it'll be okay. More in a moment on driving it <laughs> home with me, Patty Vasquez. Chicago's progressive talk, WCPT eight twenty, where facts matter. Mm-hmm. Oops, hold on. There's a button. There we go. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I hit the mic button before I hit the promo button. Uh, we have a text uh, from the 6330. We were talking about the uh, Mel Gibson movie about World War II, When We Were Soldiers. Oh, yeah. Uh, when We Were Soldiers. Uh, Top Gun is a movie. I laugh. Tom Cruise is a certified pilot that is allowed to land on an Air Force carrier. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. really? He pilots a P-51 engine. Uh, or P-51 plane. Oh, interesting. And then uh, When We Were Soldiers, it's probably the closest you're going to get to what hell looks like uh, with Mel Gibson. So that's, let me see who, that's our 630. Okay, let's get to, oh, it's from our, our Marine friend, uh. Uh, Gunny, Gunny Sergeant uh, Gary, I believe is our friend. Okay, let's get to um, the new release. This yeah. weekend is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Mania. All yeah. right, <laughs> lay it on me. What are your thoughts? Okay, that's what I I like the movie. You did? I did like it. Like, it's a fun waste of two hours. Oh, God. It's just that I've seen plenty of these. Why do I have to see this? It's a bit like it it had sort of the same problem Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has. And that's that's the one with the Red Witch, right? Yeah, Red Scarlet. Red Scarlet Scarlet Witch. Yeah, Yeah. I I mess all that up. Sorry. That's okay. It's a lot of names. Uh, But no, uh, the. 
it, it has the same problem where it's just telling an extended episode almost of another television show where Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness felt like an extended episode of WandaVision and mixed in with an episode of What If. This movie feels like an extended episode of Loki, which I'm kind of fine with because I Loki was like my favorite of all the Disney shows uh, for for Mar- of all the Marvel shows. Loki was my favorite. All right, so now this one has a lot of doesn't have a lot of stakes or a lot to keep you going to keep you interested. You know, Paul Rudd is perfectly enjoyable in his role. He's a you know he's just doing his Paul Rudd thing where he's like, hey, I I make quips and I'm a good guy, but he's super he's, handsome. Cute. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's ageless. It's amazing. <laughs> he really is. I don't know how what. What he's yeah. taking, what he's eating, but yeah, but you know, you got Paul Rudd doing his usual thing. Michael Douglas feels like a man who's in a movie that is kind of over his head. Like at one point, <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> good, yeah. Like at one point, he's has to pilot a alien ship, and the way he has to pilot it is like you put your hand in like these gooey jelly things, and then that's how you are able to fly it. I could just imagine. Michael Douglas looking at the scripts and looking at half the references going, what the hell? Can I say the H word? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What the hell is this crap? I don't know what right. I'm doing here. <laughs> but and that's kind of that, that's sort of part of his character in sure. a way where he's sucked into a realm that as a brilliant scientist he created. But as a man, he doesn't quite know how to how things work there. But anyways, Ant-Man and the Wasp, it was fun. It was a good waste of two hours, but it's what it's building, I'm tired of Marvel just building things. I want some gosh darn delivery. And when I say delivery, I don't mean that you get Professor X, who's in the X-Men cartoon show, wheelchair coming, the golden wheelchair coming in. Right. And then you have Reed Richards and all those guys from, from the... I think he's from the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah. Reed, you don't have John Krasinski, Reed Richards come in and then kill them immediately. That's what they do in that movie. I don't need that. I need some characters to stay. Where is my Tom Cruise Iron Man? Okay, I know. I keep badgering for that. I know I'm not going to get it. But we need something when they deliver all this multiverse stuff. So It feels like someone's offering a prize, but they're not showing you what the prize is. You, well, you, it, it is wanting to exhale. You're like, okay. Right, yeah. because otherwise it's just like yeah, it's just building, and there's a, a cliffhanger, and you know, are they gonna the next universe or what, what's the next movie that's gonna yeah. pick, up this, pick up this part of the story? And yeah, it's a lot going on. It's it's yeah, there's a lot going on, but the stakes are low in the movie. Exactly, and it's almost like they're just they're being a little too too smug. They're a little too mm. winking at the camera with you know whether it's the Spider Verse. Oh, that yeah. one I liked. I think I they too, did, but that one they did it right. That's how you're supposed to do multiversing, is you have these Spider-Men come in that the audience has a connection to already, and you make them an emotional connection to the protagonist. Yes, exactly. That's what you were saying is that we're lacking that. Yeah, yeah. and that's what this movie doesn't have. This movie has uh, Kang the Conqueror cha- played beautifully by Jonathan Majors. He carries that movie. You know, he's he's a dynamic villain and one who isn't a CGI creation like. Thanos, which as brilliant as that Thanos creature is, that Thanos creature, that Thanos guy, that Thanos whatever is, he's not as dynamic as a flush and blood actor reading their lines and actually emoting in a way that you can't get from a computer. And for that, yeah, he's a very dynamic villain to watch. It's interesting to read, to, to lay on his words, but 
is it enough to carry a two-hour film? No. no. You can't just bad, bad guy monologue for two hours. And that's kind of what I felt like the movie was going with. Because these guys get sucked. This, this movie's a lot like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. But it's like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids if they were taken into a crazy magical world. And you can tell with this film that the visual effects department isn't cheapened out. Because I don't know if you ever saw this article. There was someone say, writing an article saying that working in Marvel... Everyone occasionally gets pixel F-word, you know. And that basically means that a director comes in at the last minute who has no visual effects experience and oh, someone's no. working on something. And he goes, okay, guys, uh, I actually want to change this scene and have a truck flip over his sure. head and explode or whatever. Yeah, you're like, Meanwhile, it's like, well, we just spent the last three months on this one shot. Now you want to make exactly. it something. This movie doesn't feel that way. It is gorgeous to look at it is like something where i'm like i would love to see this in 3d i, I don't know it, why I, I think it is in 3d they didn't do it for the critics i don't know i went to the press screening and there was no 3d for it i'm like you know this movie really like this could be another pandora because right. everyone shrunk into this whole other world that is it looks like it's like a mixture of a planet you'd see from star wars or flash gordon and then just a bunch of rocks so <laughs> with you- so this, Very you, colorful you, skies. You do have the option to do 3D. They just didn't offer to you at the critics viewing. Oh, well. So now you got to see it again. That's, yeah. I, no, that's okay. I don't <laughs> no, have to. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I got it. I got yeah, it. So, if I thought it looked good in 2D, then, you know, I'll maybe see it in 3D. Uh, I don't know. I guess at gunpoint. No, uh, I. Hey, Man and the Wasp. Quantumania, yeah, it's enjoyable. It's not amazing. It it plays a lot of the same Marvel beats, and I think that's the problem. We see so many Marvel films, like we see up to twenty of them. When you when you get up to that number, you already know what's going to happen in each film before it happens. The reason Endgame stood out so much was because the bad guy won at the end, right? And that was your sort of Empire Strikes Back moment because everything leading up to that was just kind of okay, right? But once the snap happened, you're like. Oh, What's going on? What are they going to do the next one? Yeah, they, they and, leave you there. And then, yeah, the, I mean, the, the whole cliffhanger and that was uh, getting everyone back. Because I doubt, you know, Disney's going to be like, no, we're going to kill Spider-Man. Like, no, they're yeah. not doing that. No, it was it was very startling, to, to say the least, to see everyone just turn into, like, blow into the dust. Well, that was great, because yeah. you never expect to see that. No. But when the bad guy wins, you're like, and that's what I was hoping this movie was going to be. It was going to be, so, it's about the bad guy, but we don't. Really see what's gonna like we see what's gonna happen, but we're not given anything to really pull on emotionally. It's just everything is playing the same beats again and again and again. You know, I mean, it's just uh, disappointing to see that. But despite my disappointment, I did enjoy the film. Well, that's I did a- find it to be just for the imagination of the quantum realm alone, and for Jonathan Major's performance. Well, and Michelle Pfeiffer's good at a great in it too. That's what I heard. I heard, I heard that she was very good. Uh, we want to thank Mike Crowley for joining us for a movie review tonight. In a few weeks, we'll have you and uh, hopefully Matt Fagerholm and yeah. and uh, whoever else wants to join us. Yeah, that'd yeah. be amazing. I'd e- love that. Excellent. So uh, ypareviews.com. Have a great weekend, Mike. I hope you can get your your uh, switch fixed. Yeah. Uh, go, go find you a repair shop. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you, Lady B. Be well. Devil's Advocates up next with Mike Crute.